Hello, it is your boy Maurice McMillan, and we got another episode of the Don't Quote Me podcast. It is May 30th, and it has been a wild couple of days, and I have a lot of shit I want to talk about like usual. And first and foremost, we're going to start off with a shouts out, but we're going to take a little detour before we get into the traditional show, because you may or may not be a rap fan, but the rap game has been kind of fucked up recently in a good way, and so we're going to get into that. But first and foremost, I got to give a shout out to Terrence LeVar Thornton and Aubrey Drake Graham. And you may know them by their stage name, Pusha T and Drake. And uh, you may or may not know, but they've been getting into a little rap beef recently. And um, this rap beef is pretty great. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I've, I haven't been this excited in, in, for new music in years. And I am constantly on Twitter now and on Google just like, when the new when the new when the new response coming out when the diss track coming out so uh, i'm gonna give you a quick rundown of where things are standing right now just in case you have been uh not following the situation because apparently a lot of people don't know what's going on it just seems to be a bunch of black people on the internet just just posting memes and cracking up and wondering what's up with drake but um so let me get into that first off uh i'm a like the the whole reason this started, from my understanding, is Pusha T had said some shit about Lil Wayne and Baby, and Baby had said some shit. I mean, had uh, was ripping off Lil Wayne, and then Pusha T was ta- was talking shit about that, and then apparently Drake came to his defense, and apparently Pusha T has been waiting for this moment for a while now, and he just he leapt like a tiger, just was biding his time. So this is what happened on, I guess for me, it was Thursday night, but I'm assuming it happened before that. Uh, Pusha T releases a song called Infrared and Infrared, it has a couple of like, you know, little jabs at Drake, like, you know, the, what we've heard before with the Meek Mill situation, oh, Drake don't write his own shit. Oh, you know, he's fake tough guy, whatever. So, and, uh, Pusha T talking shit, Drake don't write his own shit, and it's like, oh, Quentin Miller, uh, I forgot, uh, he worked with Drake on a couple of songs, I forgot what songs they were, but he's like, oh, Quentin Miller really write your shit, and Drake didn't like that, and Pusha T is doing all of this to coincide with the album release, Daytona, which, by the way, fire album, seven songs, about 20 minutes, produced by Kanye, I won't even touch that one. And it's it's a dope album. And on the last song on the track is, infra- I mean, the last song on the album is Infrared. And Drake releases a diss track to Pusha T on the day of his album release. And in Drake's uh, diss track, he basically was saying like, oh, you only talk about selling drugs. You didn't really sell drugs like that. It was really your cousin and your brother. You was third string. You just rapping about shit other people doing. And, uh, like I got like talk to me when you sell multi-million, uh, sell, selling albums. Like he got uh, Drake, I think is take care and one other album that I've sold over 2 million copies. So Drake's like, Oh, you ain't got the numbers to talk to me. 
And he, and then the end of the song, he says, I'm going to send you guys an invoice for the promotion I'm doing by even acknowledging your existence and saying, he going to see going, this whole beef is going to get him another 20,000 in album sales. And in his diss track, he also took a shot at Pusha T's wife, which some are saying, I mean, uh, Pusha T's fiance, I'm now wife. I'm not sure they're married yet, but, uh, he, uh, what is it? Virginia Williams? Vanessa Williams? It's not Vanessa Williams. I'm tripping. Virginia Williams. That's her name. So he, Drake talks about his fiance. He says he ain't, uh, he, he didn't sell drugs and he's, uh, not even top five at his label. Good music with Kanye. And I thought that was my favorite insult because when I looked up who was really at good music, I was like, it's like Kanye and Big Sean. Like, how do you come in sixth place on that list? But so I was like, that's a fucked up joke. And Pusha T apparently was just waiting to cut. Like, all right, all right. You know, like, you know, when real, like, you know what they say? Real G's move in silence. And Pusha T was the epitome of that all weekend. Cause you know, in in the in the social media area era, we're constantly expecting instant gratification on everything. So Drake released the diss track on the day of his on Pusha T's album release. So naturally, everybody's like, "Oh, Pusha T got to respond tomorrow." So Saturday go by, we don't hear nothing. Sunday go by, we don't hear nothing. Monday Memorial Day, we don't hear nothing. And so even myself, I'm worrying like, uh oh, it's three days now. Like you got to say something quick or else this is pretty much going, that's going to be a L in itself. Like if you respond like four months later to the shit, then like, it's like, oh, we are forgotten, moved on. Trump's lied about 7,800 other things since then. Like, but now he got back on uh, Tuesday and holy shit, Pusha T came back with the heat. Some say Pusha T went below the belt. I say, hey, I was born in the 90s. This was not below the belt. This is just good radio. And Pusha T talks about Drake's dad left him when he was five years old. Drake's mom never been married. She always coming in last place. How you going to talk about marriage like it's a bad thing? Your mom never been married. And he says, the here's the killer. You got a secret love child with a porn star and you won't even claim the child in public. You a deadbeat dad and your best friend is dying and apparently he has multiple sclerosis. I, don't, I didn't know that, but and coincidentally, it's multiple sclerosis awareness day. So I guess mission accomplished because we all talking about this now, but and he, he and he capped it all off with his whole diss track. Like he took shots at at the man's mom, his dad, his apparent son, baby mama. So pretty much the whole family damn near. And then capped it off with a picture for the album art for the song. He caps it off with a photo of Drake in blackface. And it wasn't photoshopped. It has been confirmed by the internet detectives and the uh, journalists and, you know, all them niggas. It's been confirmed it's a real photo. So now Drake got to answer for you, you got a secret child and you was in blackface. And now the whole internet ever since yesterday, at least my Twitter has just been cracking jokes nonstop. And they have seen some funny fucking memes. 
I was just trying to play video games last night and chill, but I couldn't even pull myself away from Twitter because it was so fucking funny. Like, every time I logged on, I saw something else that was just making me laugh. But this whole beef is just amazing. And people cracking jokes saying that, wow, Pusha T did more investigative journalism than all of rap Twitter. Like, 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 and then somebody else is saying, like, where were all these skeletons when Meek Mill was fighting this nigga? Like, <laughs> apparently Meek Mill didn't do his homework because Pusha T definitely did. And, and, uh, Charlemagne at least, because Charlemagne the God is, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna credit him with starting this whole shit and I thank him for it, but I'm gonna give him the credit and say he, he instigated this whole thing, even though that probably wasn't true. So, uh, Charlemagne. He's basically saying that it seems like Pusha T has more ammo just waiting. So it seemed like this is only going to end badly for Drake now. And some people are just saying like, you got two options. Basically, give up or fight this nigga in public. Because it's like, there's not many other options that you can really say that's going to cut to the same level of, wow, you was in blackface and you got a secret child that you ain't claiming. And I, it seems like I'm the only one noticing this, but the day after this diss track was released, Drake not only sent an invoice to Good Music for the actual promotion he did and quote unquote career reviving for $100,000, but he also released another uh, another single called I'm Upset. And I'm one of the apparently few people on the internet who really, really, really likes that song. Because I've been trying not to play it out constantly because I, I fucks with it. But everybody else says that song's trash and it sucks. But I'm reading in between the lines on like that song now. Because he's like, I'm upset. And he's talking about how he got to pay uh, for her uh, bills and whatever she want. And his dad's still paying, chi- uh, still fucked up from child support payments. And he's like, oh, she's going to try to settle out of court and make a run for the money. And it's like, wait a minute, nigga. This sounds like you talking from personal experience now. And everybody is saying like, oh, this song ain't about nothing. This song is this, this is him talking about random shit. I'm like, no, it kind of sounds like he's talking about the porn star. So uh, I could be reading into it, but that's my hot take for you. And I have not been this excited for new music in years in fucking years, I can't remember the last time I was this excited for new music. So, I cannot wait for Drake's response. Because as far as I know, he has not made a single public statement, comment, uh, anything, social media post, anything since this has happened. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I, I don't think I missed anything. I feel like pe- people would have made that known. But as a... As, excuse me, I burped. As of right now, we have no response from Drake. So definitely look like Pusha T has a clear win at this moment. And and I was making a jokes like other than like like pulling out some baby pictures or like, oh, Pusha T was snitching to the feds. Like if you ain't got some bombshell revelation, you kind of already lost. That's how I feel. Like what else can you really say that you haven't already said? Okay, he's getting married. He didn't sell as much drugs as his cousin did. Like, all right. And and half the diss track was about Kanye, honestly. So I'm like, 
He he. It looks like he had more disses to Kanye than Pusha T, which is funny. And people are online like, "Oh, uh, Pusha T rocking with Kanye despite all that MAGA bullshit." And I'm like, at this point, I'm like at least Kanye's blackface is just with his words, not with you know shoe polish. But yeah, the rap game right now. Uh, that's honestly, I, I put more thought into that over the last, I want to say four days than anything Trump has said or done. But, you know, it's obviously I talk about politics to start the show usually, but I had to had to bring that up because it's been consuming me. But we're going to get on to the actual news right now. And I want to start off with some drama and craziness because I didn't want to acknowledge the traditional drama and craziness that comes from Trump's Twitter in his mouth. But, you know, it's time to get into it. And I'm going to do something that the media has not been doing. And I'm going to give very little attention to his bullshit this this episode and just move on to things I think are more important. And then... There's so much video game news and television news I want to talk about that I'm just going to save that for the bulk of this episode because I'm over Trump's bullshit and I have been for a while and I've come to the point where like people are just going to believe him or they're not and at this point everyone knows he's a fucking liar and some people choose to believe him anyway or they don't. And I would like to think most of America is in the camp of not trusting Trump. But on some of his lies, it seems like he has had some success. Like apparently most of the country thinks that no indictments or uh, crimes have been found in this uh, Mueller investigation, the Mueller investigation. And there has been four guilty pleas. No, no, there have been four indictments with just Trump campaign officials. And I think three of those were guilty pleas. The only one who's not pleading guilty is Paul Manafort. And everybody looking at this nigga knows he's guilty as shit. And all of his court shenanigans are not helping his cause. So, I mean, if that's the one dude they're going to stick their neck out for, be my guess. Because Trump will chop it off with a quickness. And he realized or learned, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, that there was a quote-unquote spy, which actually was an FBI informant, uh, in his campaign circle, trying to see if Russians were working with his campaign. And the funniest part about it is, they were investigating people who worked for Trump, because they were so fucking stupid and just talking openly about colluding with Russia. And if Russia, I mean, if Trump didn't hire so much fuck, so many fucking idiots, he probably wouldn't be in as much pro, as much trouble as he is now. But put that to the side. Trump saying as a spy, I don't really think he knows what a spy is, because when I think of spy, I think like you know you putting on costumes to go to a different country, or you working with the KKK trying to catch a drug bust or some undercover shit. But it's like, from what I understand, it was just a dude who just like talked to Papadopoulos, I think, and just asked him a couple of questions and just walked away. Like, that's like a spy. You got to embed yourself in Oregon. Like, oh, we all committing this crime together, wink, wink. And then the feds come in last minute. 
But uh, maybe I'm just thinking of undercover cops. I don't know. But spies are more espionage than, you know, just random dude. They just, you know, asked you a couple of questions, I guess. But he's trying to push the Spygate thing. And the the sane media, I'm not even going to say the mainstream, but it's the sane and the insane. So the sane media was like, like, bro, you're, you're lying. Like there wasn't a spy. And recently Trey Gowdy, a Republican and a judge, uh, I forgot his name, a dude from Fox News, I want to say Napolitano. Um, he, th- those are some Republicans were like, bro, Trump is not telling the truth on this one, but naturally the MAGA hat kids are going to believe him regardless. Like he can lie to himself and they'll still believe him. Like, I think 2 plus 2 equals 5. And they was like, yeah, it is. And you're like, actually, 2 plus 2 equals 6. And you're like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, well, it can't be both, even though both of those answers are wrong. But they don't care. So you just got to chalk it up as a win for them because they are in control despite not having any grasp on logic at all. But that's the world we live in right now. So, yeah. And I'm going to leave it at that on the rush. I mean, on the Trump for the talk for the day and move straight on to Roseanne. And even though this isn't politics, apparently it's been talked about on the news more than any other story as the last like day or so. So I'm just going to talk about it really quickly. Uh, Roseanne uh, talked about someone who worked in uh, uh, Obama's administration. I forgot her name. And I don't want to give this story any more unnecessary attention. So I'm not even going to Google it. So Roseanne Barr basically says that this woman is a cross between the Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes. And this woman is African-American. She's light-skinned. I'll give her that. She's African-American. And so, you know, apes, African-Americans, there's obviously racial uh, relevancy in that correlation. So... It was obvious to, you know, part of the same media where it's like, bruh, that's racist and not a good look. And ABC was like, yeah, not a good look. And I believe the person who was in charge of this decision was an African-American woman in the hierarchy of ABC. I also forgot her name, but basically she pulls the trigger on a, on a canceling Roseanne's show. Because, like, uh, TYT points this out, and I think this is a very valid point. Like, uh, Roseanne's mistake wasn't the racism. It was the racism at an uh, insider. Like, you like you can't just be talking about people who work for Obama in that way and then expect them not to clap back at you behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Like, that's really fucking stupid. Like, if she said that about any black person that the world, the whole country didn't know about they'd probably just be like all right it's tuesday she's being racist again we still gonna make this money but she went after someone and this lady said on cnn that the i think it was the ceo of abc gave her a call personally like we're canceling this show before they canceled it which tells me she got connections like if someone says some racist shit about me the CEO of that dude's company is not going to call me on the phone like, hey, we going to fire that dude. I'm sorry he called you a nigga on Twitter, but, you know, we got rid of him. Like, that's not going to happen. So Roseanne's mistake was talking about somebody powerful. 
and I don't regret the decision at all. I'm just surprised it actually happened. And um, the Onion made a funny ass joke about it, and they basically said that uh, ABC is in trouble because they set up an unrealistic expectation that racists are punished for their racism. And I'm like, that's kind of how I feel where I'm just like, all right, y'all going to fire her for being racist. I mean, it's going to be a long night. I mean, <laughs> how many, how many white people are you going to fire for being racist? Like how many pe white people are you going to have left? <laughs> like what? Is this going to be Gary Owen on every channel? And Michael Rappaport. <laughs> That's the only two white people I really fuck with. And, and, and Kevin uh, Kevin Conroy, I'm cool with him. Give me some Batmans. Yeah, you can get Mark Hamill too. He's dope. There's only so many white people on that list who aren't offended in the races, I would assume. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Uh, all the people who work with her, uh, it really sucks her out of the job, but... Yeah, she was doing that shit before they got closed, so can't really say it's a surprise. But, you know, I hope they land on their feet, but everybody know Roseanne is going to still be Roseanne. And just based off her Twitter today, doesn't seem like she learned her lesson at all, despite blaming it on Ambien. <laughs> and Ambien responded like, hey, uh, yeah, our pills don't make you racist, but moving on. So this is what I want to talk the most about is Puerto Rico and I pulled up a couple of articles on this topic because I didn't want to just give the tabloid attention to Roseanne and Trump like every other day or not Roseanne so much but Trump like every other day so I want to talk about Puerto Rico because as a black person I feel for Puerto Ricans and the situation they're in after the Hurricane Maria just fucked them all up and Trump basically said, fuck you guys, you're on your own. So I, I, I ever since it happened, I just felt so bad because like I knew things were just going to be bad for them for the sole reason that Trump is in charge. Like if there were any other president, like, even George Bush would have handled this better. Like, let's be real. And it just makes me so sad that they had to deal with the natural disaster that knocked out power, killed people, like like broke all the all types of property damage. You can't really just like go back to school or work the next day. You have to like fix a whole lot of shit before things can go back to normal. And to add insult to injury, our president like talked shit about them and then had the nerve to say that his response was a 10 out of 10. It's just so fucked up and I try so hard not to get depressed in in this America we're living in. But it's just like depression's like the natural reaction at this point. It just means I'm empathetic and I'm paying attention. But so I'm gonna get into the news that I wanted to talk about. And this is from USA Today, written by John Bacon, awesome last name. And um the title is Hurricane Maria killed more than 4,600 people, more than 70 times the official toll of 64, study says. Hurricane Maria likely killed thousands of people across Puerto Rico last year, more than 70 times the official estimate a Harvard study released Tuesday says. And I looked it up in another article, and it was the New England Journal of Medicine. So let me continue reading. 
Authorities in Puerto Rico placed the death toll of 64 after Maria roared through the island September 20th, destroying buildings and knocking out power to virtually the entire U.S. territory of more than 3 million people. Researchers at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, oh, um, wait, I think there's two different studies. So uh, researchers at the T.H. Chan School of Public Health, however, surveyed that more than 3,000 households on the battered island. Oh, wait, sorry, I'm, I'm misreading it. They surveyed more than 3,000 households on the battered island. And by extrapolating those findings, researchers determined that at least 4,645 people of excessive deaths occurred during the storm in the weeks that followed. And they said these numbers were conservative and the death toll likely exceeded 5,000. And many of the deaths were due to, in part to the power outages that crippled the medical and other services. And I remember thinking how long it was to, like, there's still large parts of Puerto Rico that don't have power to my knowledge. And it's been, we're approaching a year. We're past the halfway point. We've been past the halfway point. September, I can't, you're going to see me count so bad. October, November, December, January, February, March, that's six right there. April, May is almost over. So we're past the eight month mark. And things are still an uphill climb for them. And I'm like, I'm trying to count my blessings even when I'm having shitty days here and there. Because I'm like, things could definitely be worse. And it's just, f like, I, I understand there are a lot of people who are helping. Like, you know, uh, like, uh, I don't know specific organizations, but just for sake of argument, let's say, like, Red Cross. There are, like, organizations like Red Cross and stuff like that doing work out there and really helping. And it seems like the people who are there know the shit is fucked up, but it's like, we need leadership and we just don't have it. We just have a Twitter troll. Like he was taking pictures with Kim Kardashian today because they're discussing prison reform. And if you guys truly believe there was a serious and serious intelligent conversation between Trump and Kim Kardashian that couldn't have been better served by people more knowledgeable on those topics, you're fucking insane. But, uh this horrible mess horrible mess we're in and I, I really hope that we can as a country like do a better job even though it just seems impossible in this country but hopefully this article and the increased attention that some people but very few are putting on it will do some good because uh, I saw on Twitter an uh, hour or so ago. I didn't fact check it, but I it sounds real, so I'm just going to say it. And if it's wrong, please feel free to cuss me out. But basically, they estimated that between MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News, they talked about the Roseanne story for about 10 hours accumulatively, and they talked about the Puerto Rico for 30 minutes between the three of them. And I'm just like, that's... Like, just based on that math alone, I think I've spoken about Puerto Rico for, I want to say, four or five minutes just now. 
And I think I've spoken more about it than Fox News. I think that was the lowest one, if I remember correctly. I think it was like two minutes or so. But I don't remember the specific stats. These could be wrong. Please take that with a grain of salt. But just based on the little TV I have seen, we definitely were talking about Roseanne more than we were talking about Puerto Rico. And I say we because it's a country thing. We talk about celebrities and obsess over celebrities and we don't pay attention to real shit and it's fucking annoying. And it takes me back to the Childish Gambino video, This Is America, because we're looking at the dancers. Or we're looking at Roseanne Barr, we're looking at Trump, we're looking at Kim Kardashian, and we're looking at Pusha T and Drake. I'm guilty as well. I'm not above anyone. We're looking at Kanye West, but we're not looking at Puerto Rico. We're not looking at Flint, you know. And appreciate the people who are, because there are a lot of people doing a lot more than I am. All I'm doing is gaming, smoking weed, smoking weed, doing coke, drinking beers, drinking beers, 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 rolling fatty, smoking blunts. Who smokes blunts? We smoke some blunts. All right, so if you've never seen Jay and Silent Bob, you should see that movie. But anyway, back to Puerto Rico. Fucked up situation. I hope we can speed time up and eventually get Trump out of office because the quicker we get Trump out of office the better things improve for everyone honestly especially people of color um but i'm i'm like 50 50 percent 50 percent sure that donald trump will be our last president because i just don't see him giving up power regardless of the situation like unless they drag him out kicking and screaming like he one he will never give up power and two there's a certain percentage of this country who will never ever leave his side regardless of anything so yeah and the mayor of puerto rico i just dropped my phone uh carmen yulin uh, cruz yulin uh, i don't know how to pronounce her middle name but uh, carmen cruz she uh posted a photo of her on twitter today with the hat that says four six four five for the number of deaths that have been uh estimated by the new england journal of medicine and and in their tweet she says never forgotten never again and i've decided that i'm gonna name oh not name i'm gonna make the album art for this episode this photo because as distracted as i am because i had to start off with the push of t and drake but you know this puerto rico shit is real and it's just, it's so fucking sad, man. It's just so fucking sad. Because it's like, uh, the reason it's so sad to me is because there's like, there's, th- there's millions and millions of people in our country. Puerto Rico is a part of America. There are millions of Americans who are just like, fuck y'all. Y'all are brown. Y'all deserve to drown. That's like, and that's like a large percentage of Donald Trump's fan base. And it's fucked up, but that's where we're at. Yeah. So, I think it's probably time to transition into another topic. Let's talk about North Korea real quick. This is quick in passing. Apparently, Trump was like, oh, we're not going to, you know, do the North Korea thing. Then he was like, LOL, JK, we're going to do the North Korea thing. And I think it's funny how 
Kim Jong-un is seeming like the more rational and sane person compared to Trump. So that's how far America has progressed. <laughs> We're less sane than Kim Jong-un. And he kills people with AA guns. But anyway, let's talk about video games. Because that's where my brain has mostly been at anyway for the last several days. So you may or may not know, Detroit Become Human finally came out on Friday. And I have finished it twice. And I won't spoil anything just in case you haven't played it and you want to play it. But I will say I personally enjoyed the shit out of that game. And I knew I would enjoy it since before it came out because I just know I like like I know some people hate the like quote-unquote walking simulator kind of games but that's honestly becoming one of my favorite genre of game for several reasons one they're really great stories usually two I don't have to be fully invested in playing uh an intense attention demanding game like for example, the game I'm going to talk about that I'm playing now is very intense and very difficult. And it's like the exact opposite of Detroit in terms of gameplay mechanics. So Detroit is a, a game that takes place 20 years into the future in Detroit. Go figure. And androids are very common in the future. Everyone has one. And America, they're basically like the the new workforce in a sense like we there are new um babysitters there are new maids our janitors um pretty much any menial to like our caregivers like a random menial a lot of menial tasks are seem to be the what androids are doing and they are uh, android surgeons in the game apparently and um one of the main characters is an android detective so androids are basically main difference between them and us physically is that they have like a little blue dot on their head and they uh, don't have finger uh, prints, but they basically look and talk just like humans and act just like humans to an extent. They don't really have emotions to an extent, which plays a key part into the story. And the main three characters are Connor, Kara, and Marcus with a Marcus who is uh, played by Jesse Williams. Shout out to Jesse Williams. I love that dude. And um, the story is basically about how there has been an increasing trend of deviants that have been popping up. And the deviants are basically androids who have come to their... Uh, the way I would define them is like they're kind of androids who are like kind of self-aware of the whole human experience. And so they are the emotional androids in a sense. Like, for example, if you are told to either, it, let's say you are running in a straight line and you have to run in a straight line as quick as possible, but the person next to you falls down. If you stop and pick him up instead of just running in a straight line like you're supposed to, that's out of character for an android and that quote unquote makes them deviants. So deviants have a more bloody history in this game. Like the game starts off. So this is the very beginning and it was in a demo. So 
not really a spoiler. The game starts off with a hostage situation. And this deviant has this little girl hostage with a gun to her head, staying on the edge of a building. And your job as Connor is to basically do the hostage negotiation. And the end, I, I, despite that being the first scene, I still haven't seen all of the endings. But the ones that I have seen, um, you either, you know, you can save the girl, obviously. You cannot save the girl, obviously. You can live, you can die. The, uh, the, the dude holding the gun can live, can die, etc. So it's uh, one of those games that has a lot of branching paths. And there are several very drastically different endings. But they kind of all fall along the same path to some extent. But some things you can do will just drastically affect your whole playthrough. Um, and the average uh, meta score for this game on Metacritic is about 79 out of 100. Which I think is really accurate. That's about what I would give it. Um, because while I think the story was... I, I personally love the story a lot. The criticism that I've seen come up constantly... I can't even refute. So I have to knock the game for that. And that criticism is that like the storytelling mechanics are very direct and there's not much room for subtlety and nuance. Like pretty much every everything you are thinking in the game is because the director like like almost explicitly told you to think that. Like for example, like something bad happens. This thing is bad okay that thing is bad I think that thing is bad like that's basically the storytelling issue so it's a little direct and over the top sometimes like they make uh, references to things where you can just you know reference them you don't have to be like direct direct about it so that that's a uh, one complaint and the other complaint is sometimes the controls do get on my nerves because I feel like they're kind of tricky and fancy for no added reason other than just being tricky and fancy but um, I'm playing technically I'm playing on quote-unquote hard mode so that may be why but I just just think like why this is unnecessary button press why like, why are you doing this and the motion controls with the controller shaking to the left shaking to the right or whatever gets a little tired sometimes but because it's such an unnatural reaction to like when you're playing a video game to shake your controller violently to the right in the middle of a scene like it's just like you can just do buttons dude like you don't have to do all that or you can just shake it you don't have to like move it in a certain direction you know but uh that those are my two complaints with the game but other than that i love it as i said i've beaten it twice i'm in the middle of my third playthrough and i'm just trying to get that platinum uh i am trying to get the playthrough where everyone lives because the first one I played through, two of my main characters died. And I was actually, I'll take that back. One of my main characters died. And then another main character died, but it wasn't like a playable one. So those things are, uh, so pros, I like the, I like the layout of the, mapping of the different endings so now you know exactly what to do where to get what ending or you at least have a better direction of what action needs to be taken or what action can't be taken because you either did this thing or you didn't do something so i'm i'm personally enjoying it a lot um so, so far all the criticisms i've seen have been pretty valid 
Haven't really seen too many crazy takes about it. And um, I would recommend it. But I also, if you're going to wait on a sale, you know, wouldn't blame you at all. As uh, the estimate going around on the internet is it takes about 10 hours to beat the game. Um, I wasn't timing myself, but it seems like I beat the game twice in a three-day window. And the second playthrough, I had basically killed off two main characters early just so the playthrough would be shorter. So I think I've probably played it for about 15 hours collectively between the first two playthroughs. So as of right now, I'm probably at like the 17 hour, 18 hour or something. But um, yeah, I love it. I love the game. But I also think if you waited until it was like 30 bucks, that would be a smart call. Or you can wait really, really long and wait till it's free on PS Plus. But don't hold your breath on that happening anytime soon. Because Beyond Two Souls just became free this month. And that came out, I think, like three or four years ago. But I, if you're into story-heavy games, highly recommend it. But if you're into, like, action and, like, I gotta do a whole bunch of crazy shit uh, with your, like, physically, like, you get bored easily, like, watching the cutscenes or whatever, then you can skip this one. But I, I fucking loved it. It was one of my most anticipated games of the year. Um, I will say straight out, not game of the year. Um, personally, my game of the year is still Monster Hunter. The only game that has come close so far is God of War. But the only reason why I give Monster Hunter the edge over God of War is because not only is there exponentially more content, but they're still putting out fucking content. I think a new monster just came out today. I didn't even, uh, I just happened to see that on my phone. It's like, oh, another monster came out. So Monster Hunter is doing great. And the Switch version's coming out later on this year. But it's basically the upgraded version of the 3DS. So I'm like, not getting too hyped about it. But Monster Hunter on Switch just is a no-brainer. But that's going to be in August, I believe. So it's a ways away. And other than Detroit, I've been playing... Uh, Steam World Dig 2, as I mentioned last episode, and um, I finished it. It was cool, but as I finished it and realized what I needed to do to get the platinum, I was like, no, nah, I'm over it. I'm, I'm hella over it. Basically, I have to, I have to get every, every collectible. I have to get a lot of money. I can't die, and I have to beat the game in under four hours, all in the same playthrough. And I'm like, who am I trying to impress? Fuck that bullshit. I'm going to have fun with my video games. And then I bought a new Switch game. And it really kind of snuck up on me. And odds are you've probably never heard of this game because I never heard of it before yesterday. And I was just looking through the eShop because for some reason I got it in my head that I wanted to buy a Switch game, but I didn't want to buy like, like a, like a full game. Like I didn't want to get Donkey Kong yet or Hyrule Warriors yet because they're all 60 bucks. But I was like, let me get like a mid-tier game. And I saw Wizard of Legend. And I was like, what the fuck is Wizard of Legend? Its artwork looks interesting. And then I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, oh, okay. This game looks fucking fire. All right, okay. All right, let me check this shit out. So I, um, 
I looked it up and the Metacritic, the Metacritic score is about 77. So I'm like, all right, it's pretty good. Almost great. And that's cool. Since so the game is like $16. I was like, that's a little high for an indie game. But it looked really fun to me just on gameplay alone. And um, Metacritic defines it as Wizard of Legend is a fast-paced 2D dungeon crawler where you assume the role of a powerful wizard on his quest for fame and glory. And the game, in my opinion, basically plays like a fast-paced rogue version of Binding of Isaac. And it is... The graphics are a step up from Binding of Isaac and... It's um, not as like, you know, cartoonish. It's a little bit more serious art style. And the whole premise of the game is basically you going through levels and just fighting shit with all your spells. And apparently there's a lot of spells to collect. I have only gotten like the basic ones and I've technically only played, uh, played through, I think, three times. And I've died pretty quickly each time, but I'm getting better. This game is definitely a challenge, but it's very fun. And I can, I missed, I immediately just felt like the gameplay loop is so gratifying that I can easily see myself just, you know, like picking it up every, every couple of months. Just I'm like, all right, let me like, you know, get another round of this. You know, it just seems like one of those games. Like every once in a while, I still play Binding of Isaac, even though that game came out like like well like eight years ago or some absurd shit so i feel like wizard of legend could definitely be like my switch equivalent of that game and i'm enjoying it so far but i haven't even gotten to any of the true bosses yet i've just fought and i've just fought too many bosses but i beat both of them that was cool and i've only gotten past the first level one time and i think it's uh eight levels every time and it's a randomized map like Binding of Isaac so and everything is randomized except for the items that you have you can uh, set those up before you go in but you can find shit in jungles you can like buy potions and stuff and um just based off the like what like 30 40 minutes I put into it I'm enjoying the shit out of it and as soon as I finish recording I'm probably going to play more and this is definitely going to be something I might sink my teeth into when I'm off the air for two weeks in a hotel. And yeah, I'm enjoying it. But let's talk about some actual video game news because I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't talk about all the crazy shit that's happened yesterday and today. So if you are not a giant nerd, you might want to close your ears right now. But we got not one, but two new not actually not even two not one not two but three new pokemon games announced yesterday just like on a literal fuck it it's tuesday moment like I, those are my favorite kind of days where it's like fuck it it's tuesday and they not only did we get the beef i mean the diss track from push a t not only did roseanne show get canceled but pokemon let's go uh, Pikachu, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, and Pokemon Quest all got announced yesterday. So Tuesday was wild when I got off work and my Twitter was in shambles. But So let me tell you about Let's Go. So this is from Polygon from Pretrana Rodolovic. Okay. And um, 
she uh, has this article. It's uh, basically everything we know about Pokemon Let's Go. And um, you can probably assume why I'm so hyped, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It's exclusive to Switch. And it is uh, basically, and this is described by the director, Junichi Masuda, that it's uh, the remake of Pokemon Yellow, the first Pokemon titles for Switch. And um, it's going to have two versions of Pokemon Yellow. So there's going to be the one where you, like the traditional Yellow, you get Pikachu. And then there's another one where you get Eevee. And when I first saw this, I was like, holy shit, I can get an Eevee from the start? Fuck yes. And as I read this article, I was like, all right, never mind. So let me get into it. Um, it's going to be in Kanto, where the original series took place. And you're going to start off in Palatown, like the original games. You're going to meet Professor Professor Oak, like the original games, and encounter the 150 original Pokemon. But um, there are also the, you know, the traditional uh appearances of people like team rocket and i'm gonna go out on a limb and assume misty and brock are gonna be in there too i'll be very surprised if they weren't and it's coming out november 16th a regular price 59.99 and um they're available for pre-order so i should probably hop on that now that i think about it but i'm gonna do that later and um also you, as I mentioned, you can start off with either Pikachu or Eevee. And in this game, you can also dress them up in different clothing options. And this game also has the, as I mentioned, the original 151 Pokemon, but it also has their Alolan counterparts. So you can have a little bit of the mix of the new and old. And this is where the article lost me. Your starter Pokemon will not be able to evolve, which I assumed for Pikachu, but I hoped wasn't the case for Eevee. So if I can't evolve my Eevee, I'm not really about that Eevee life. So I might just be like everybody else and get the Pikachu version. But if like, if I just like have a last minute change of heart, maybe I'll switch it up for the Eevee version. But as of right now, I think I might just have to, you know, go traditional and get the Pikachu version, but Anyway, let's move on deeper into the article. Um, there is uh, going to be trade between Pokemon Go and this uh, version, Pokemon Let's Go. But it's a one-way trade. You can only bring Pokemon from your Go to Let's Go, but not from Let's Go to Go. So, you know. Yeah. And... Also, another difference about this game is that instead of battling Pokemon, like, you know, in every other traditional core Pokemon game, it's just catching them, like in Pokemon Go. So you basically are just going to use your Joy-Cons, like to throw Pokeballs, and um, also Pokemon physically appear on the screen rather than you walking through tall grass and you get the like all of that like that's not going to be in this game but you will still have the traditional uh fights between like you know uh npcs and uh i'm assuming there's pvp and i'm also assuming there's gyms even though this article is not confirming that but i don't really know what else you would do besides walk in a circle so um so there's regular combat you're just not for catching pokemon and this game also will have two player co-op which i think is interesting 
and it's gonna have an optional add-on because everyone who is a Nintendo fan knows that Nintendo is addicted to peripherals and they're gonna be they're gonna make this one come with a uh, Pokeball Plus oh my mistake doesn't come with it it's a separate accessory you can buy price is not announced yet to my knowledge but uh, Pokeball Plus is basically like this giant plastic Pokeball that you can use to you know throw catch Pokemon in the game and not only that but you can put the Pokemon files into the physical Pokemon toy thing or whatever and then carry it with you so I'm hoping it's going to be kind of like one of those old Tamagotchis kind of sort of where it's like you carry it with you and it's collecting XP because you're walking because if that's the case I'll definitely proudly rock that on my hip every morning just be like all right let me give me some free XP real quick and I'll just be that nerdy ass black dude I don't care and um so and you can also use this Pokeball to transfer them your uh, Pokemon from Go to to Let's Go. And also, this is the last bit of key information. This Pokemon Let's Go is not replacing the core game. The core game is still coming out late next year, or at least it's set to come out late next year. That has not had any confirmed details about, to my knowledge, either. So that's just something we're just going to have to keep our eye on in the future. And I am very, very excited for this game. And the fact that it's not a core game makes me a lot more excited for this game because I feel like I can appreciate it more for what it is rather than fault it for what it isn't. Because if this was replacing the core game, I would have a huge problem with not being able to fight wild Pokemon. But since this is just kind of like an additional, like, hey, it's a remake with new shit and, you know, it's, it's, it's cute. It's for kids and all that, whatever. I'm like, all right, I can rock with that. I'm, I'm cool with that. So this is definitely going to be on my, uh, on my switch list. Um, November is starting to stack up on me between Pokemon and red. Oh wait, red dead is October. Never mind. So a uh, Pokemon in uh, November 16th, I'm hype. And if you want to play Pokemon now and you're impatient of shit, you can play Pokemon quest because that is out already. And I played it for about five minutes last night. I was like, cool, this is free. Doesn't really appeal to me in long term. Um, it might be cool to bust out every once in a while, but it, the, it's, it's a really different art style. It definitely doesn't look like any traditional Pokemon game at all. And it's basically like on autopilot for the most part. It's like a, it's like a very, very dumbed down version of an MMO. And if that MMO were on autopilot, that's basically how I feel about this game. So it, it, it's, it's there. It's free. If you want to spend money on it, waste your money at your own leisure, you know. But um, I got an article from GameSpot uh, by... Can't find a name. But um, this uh, little mini article. Oh, wait. Uh, uh, Jess McDonald and Eddie McCuck. McCuck. McCuck? McCaw, I don't know. Eddie McCaw. That's probably not how you pronounce his last name. I'm just going, I like that though. Eddie McCaw. All right. So, um, yeah. Pokemon Quest takes place in Tumble Cube Island. Oh, it takes players. Well, I can't read. Let me start that whole shit over. Let me keep it real with you. Pokemon Quest takes players to Tumble Cube Island, 
A mysterious land where the Pokemon you know and love have changed into block creatures that look like they're out of Minecraft. The art style is immediately striking as it's a presentation technique that the Pokemon franchise has never seen before. It's very cute and endearing. And while the visuals are new, the gameplay loop will feel familiar. Will feel, feel familiar. You begin by choosing a starting Pokemon and, uh, you know, like Pokemon. I mean, like uh, Pikachu or whatever. But uh, I think the starters, what I remember was like the traditional three and Pikachu and I think one other one. But I got Charmander because that's how I rock. And um, let me continue reading. And then you go out on adventures where you will battle Pokemon and add new ones to your roster. And Pokemon Quest features all the original 150 that you can fight and collect. And on your journey, you'll discover and unlock Power Stones, which are essentially upgrade modules that you can assign to your creatures and make them stronger and faster. You can see a number of these stones and their upgrade attributes in the video above, which, you know, if you can, if you have a Switch or YouTube, you can just, you know, look that up on your own. And uh, later on in this year, there's going to be an iOS and Android version of this game as well. So um, if you're into a free Pokemon game that's out right now, have at it. But, you know, I got Wizard of Legend to play, so I'm set. And if you didn't think there was enough game news, Bethesda was like, hey, fuck y'all. We got shit to say, too. So guess what? Another Fallout has been announced. And if you know me in real life, you may know I'm a huge Fallout fan. I have a, a, a Fallout bobblehead, well, bobblehead, a Fallout Funko Pop on my desk at work every day. And um, I fucks with Fallout Heavy, long story short. So this story naturally ca caught my eye. And this one's from Kotaku by Jason Schreier. And I just uh, pull out a couple of interesting bits from this uh, article because, you know, when you hear Fallout, you're thinking, oh shit, we're going to get a new Fallout five or fallout 4.2 or whatever but this apparently is a completely different thing so the game is fallout 76 and it's uh named after vault 76 and this game is according to an article gonna be an online survival survival rpg that is heavily inspired by games like DayZ and rust and rust i've never played or seen but daisy i'm vaguely familiar with and this article is according to three people speaking anonymous, anonymously so they don't get in trouble. And uh, they said this was originally a prototype for a multiplayer version of Fallout 4. And it will have quests and a story. And the it will also have base building and other survival-based and multiplayer mechanics. And... Um, the release date, not announced yet, naturally, but E3 is coming up very soon, and I mean, I don't see any reason not to be hyped for this. Uh, I am just hesitant, because I don't want it to be like, I don't want it to be like Fortnite in the sense where like, I can't relax at all. Like, I want to play a game where like, there's some sense of like, co-op or whatever, or like more like an MMO where they're like, you know, like, what's the word? Like safe zones or something? Like if it's just like you just turn on the game, like PUBG, like just turn the shit on and five minutes later you're dead. Like I might have to pass on this, but 
seemed like there's base building and shit, so maybe there are some, you know, chiller sections in the game. As long as it's not all PvP constantly, I'm in. And, yeah. I was a little lengthy game section today. I'm proud of myself. Games has been wild lately, but let's close this bitch off with some television, bitches. So, Netflix has decided that they want to just fuck up all my little bit of free time because, like, my plan was, oh, I'm going to play Detroit and it's going to be a good-ass end of the month. And and then I look, started paying attention to the releases for Netflix and I was like, oh, shit, I got hell of shows to watch right now. And I'm not even finished on all the shit I was already watching, let alone all the shows that I missed and need to go back to. Like... For example, my plan was, oh, all these shows are ending for the summer. I can, When the summer starts, I can catch up on The Flash and I can catch up on Arrow and finally finish Scandal. And, you know, I had all these plans for TV shows like I'm going to watch Claws and Queen Sugar. But then Netflix hits me with the fucking like not even a triple double like they hit me with the quadruple double. Like, so check this out. On May 25th, they release the new uh, season of Troll Hunters. Well, not even season, but part three of Troll Hunters. And then yesterday, season five of Arrested Development. And then today, season four of Kimmy Schmidt. And then tomorrow, uh, Howard Stern is going to be on David Letterman's show. And my next guest needs no introduction. So I'm just like, fuck, man, I got a lot of shit to watch right now. So um, I was trying to rewatch season four of Arrested Development to like catch myself up before I watched the last season, but uh, or not the last, but the current season. And now I'm like, shit, I'm just watching Kimmy Schmidt. And I saw the first episode of Kimmy Schmidt and I was like, I'm already loving where this season is going. Titus is, is on to some shenanigans. Kimmy got caught up with some uh, sexual harassment. I mean, she committed the sexual harassment, not caught up. Uh, she got caught up with a charge, rather, I should say. But I, I'm just so hyped right now because I'm a huge fan of Kimmy Schmidt. Unfortunately, it's the last season. So, you know, you know, I got to say my goodbyes. But this season apparently is broken into two halves. And the first half came out today. It's only six episodes. And I've watched one already, so... There's a large chance I'm going to be caught up before the weekend even starts. But the playoffs, the finals start tomorrow in NBA. So maybe I won't watch anymore until like Saturday or something. But I'm almost guaranteed to be caught up by the next episode of my podcast. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm hype. Uh, Kimmy Schmidt, funny ass fucking show if you haven't seen it. Basically, the quick rundown of uh, the whole show is called The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And the whole rundown basically is this girl was trapped in a bunker for a large majority of her life. And then on the first episode, she is released from that bunker and basically decides, okay, I'm just going to, you know, try to be a normal person now. Like, even though she was living in a bunker against her will for like 18 years, I want to say. Can't remember the exact amount of time. 15 years, I think. So. She gets a gay black roommate, who's my favorite character, Titus. And um, her landlord is this, like, crazy old lady. 
forgot her name. Lillian, Lillian. So, um, crazy old lady, gay black dude, and this, uh, 30 year old woman with the mind and innocence of like a 12 year old. (laughs) So it is ripe for comedy. And they also got, uh, the chick from 30 Rock. Uh, I want to say Jenna Maroney. I think that's the name stuck in my head. But, uh, basically she plays this rich white lady and funny ass fucking show. One of my favorite shows on Netflix and Troll Hunters. If you haven't seen it, that show is more aimed towards children. Uh, but it's just so fucking good. I just, I watched it on accident. I think I mentioned this episodes back, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Uh, so I watched this show on accident when it first came out because I just, Like, you know how Netflix has those, like, preview trailers or whatever for, like, the first, like, couple of seconds? So I saw that just scrolling through Netflix, and I was like, okay, this looks kind of interesting. Looks like a kid's show, but I'll check it out. And from the opening scene, I was like, this show is a gem. This is a true gem. And I got a couple of friends into it, so I felt proud about that. But, so season three started, and it seems like season three is really heavy, because, uh, Season one was like traditional, you know, you got to start your superhero shit. And then season two, like, oh, we got real drama. And now season three is like all the drama at the end of season two carried over into season three. And now season three is all types of fucked up. So it's fucked up in a good way, though, because it's like I really am don't know what's going to happen. But I'm kind of putting it off because I'm just like, I don't want any of my favorite characters to die. They're all like 10 years old. <laughs> like, don't kill any of these people off. <laughs> but it's a kid's show, so you never know. But it's uh, written and created by Guillermo del Toro, if I remember correctly. And uh, animated by Pixar. And uh, fight scenes are very great. Story is awesome. Basically, this uh, kid finds this amulet and then he realizes this amulet it's basically like a power rangers thing where like it gives him a suit and weapon and um so he gets this sword suit and eventually discovers that trolls live basically under the cover of darkness under the city and like um, uh not the sewers but you know basically in darkness because when trolls hit sunlight they turn to stone apparently you know but long story short, great show. If you have younger like brothers or sisters or your child at heart or you just want to see some animated fighting without any swear words, good show. I highly recommend it. It's uh it's it's like the quality of a movie but the length of a TV show. That's how I feel. That's how I put it. And the and I really like the the best thing that Troll Hunters did was that it had a long first season because it had a chance to really show some real character development and a lot of growth in the story and just is season one is a really Troll Hunters has a really strong season one. And if you watch season one and don't immediately love that show, then that show's not for you. I, I, I just, I knew it from the first scene, but it maybe it'll take you longer than that, but great show. And I'm going to close with some spoilers. So I'm going to give y'all a heads up right now. 
If y'all don't want me to spoil Empire, you can turn this shit off right here. Because that's all I'm about to talk about for the last couple of minutes. But if you do care about spoilers and you do turn this shit off, I will just say one thing. Follow me on Twitter, y'all. At Ugly Flame. Spelled just like it sounds. Follow me on Twitter. I got like 300 and something followers. I'm on a slow rise. I just need a couple hundred thousand. And I can start making this money for real. So, you know, every follow helps. And if y'all got like a bot account, like, you know, just treat me like, just treat me like Trump, man. Just give me like 20,000 fake followers to get my numbers up. And then I can be all like, hey, y'all, look at me. I'm balling. Pay me. Then I'll be all like, look at him. He's balling. We got to pay him. So, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter. And if y'all got any questions, comments, concerns, hit me up. Y'all got my Facebook or phone number to the select few listen to this who do. Hit me up there, whatever. But, um, yeah, so let me get into Empire. And three, two, one. Are the kids out of the room? Are they, are they gone? Are they gone? Are you ready? Are you ready? Holy shit. All right, Tori's dead. Anika's dead. Tiana's pregnant. Hakeem got two kids now. Fuck Dot. That's how I felt. That was like the biggest thing to me. I was like, Hakeem got another girl pregnant? Yikes. <laughs> I don't want no parts of that. Even though he got all that money, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Fuck that. So, um, and he, he he flipped the script on Tiana quick. He was like, nah, fuck that girl pretty much. Like, nah, fuck her. I'm gonna go fuck with these models, man. I'm gonna go fuck this actress, man. Fuck her, man. She ain't shit. She's like, I'm pregnant. He's like, oh my God, you a queen girl. We gonna get through this. And I was like, damn, he turned the dime quick as shit. But I'll give it to Hakeem. He does seem like a good dad. And he might be a terrible... Um, so I have, I've had this, this long-standing issue with Hakeem. No one really seems to point it out, but it's something I can never, notice, never unsee. So whenever Hakeem is rapping or recording or whatever or he's just like at his like apartment doing like a song or whatever he always has to act like he's in a music video regardless of what setting he's actually in so for example he'll be in the studio recording a song and then he'll like start jumping around the studio rip off his shirt do a cartwheel yell bum a clot but if you ever recorded you know you have to speak into the microphone like, for example, if I start going like this, you can probably tell because the sound sounds a little bit different. And then when I lean back, you can barely hear me when I'm leaning over here. Or if I turn behind me and talk, you can't hear me. See what I mean? And Hakeem does that shit all the fucking time. And it drives me up the goddamn wall. So, that aside, seems like a good dude. And also... Tori, I can't believe Tori got written off so abruptly. I thought for sure she was going to go back to rehab and, and hate that shit, but apparently that didn't happen. And um, Lucius and Cookie are getting married, so it's almost guaranteed some shit's going to go wrong before it happens, and then almost guaranteed some shit's going to go wrong after it happens. But we'll see. I'm very excited for next season. And to all the people who are still watching the Empire... I still don't understand why it gets so much hate, man. It's just TV. People be taking that shit personally as shit. But 
drama. I love it. And um, yeah, time to close out this episode. And I got the perfect episode name. It's going to be dedicated to Drake and Pusha T's beef. Because Drake said it's going to be a cruel summer. And Pusha T said it's going to be a surgical summer. So I'm thinking it's going to be a cruel and surgical summer. All right. Deuces, y'all.